0: You are listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network with the NBA Draft on November 18th. It's time for a very belated Mock Draft 1.0. Typically, when I was at ESPN, I'd be on like Mock Draft 9.0 or 10.0 at this time in the year. This is actually my first Mock Draft for the complete first round of the year. And I'm compiling this based on what I'm hearing From conversations with NBA scouts, general managers, and player agents. It's not based on what I personally would do on draft night, but more on the intel that I'm hearing, again, from around the league. I'll put out a couple more of these as we get closer to the draft. I think you'll at least get three mocks from me, maybe like a 3.1 or 3.2. I'm not really sure. But I want to take you through the mock as I see it today. And look, it's a confusing draft. There's lots of teams looking to trade down or out or up in this draft. I think it could be a really turbulent draft night. And that's one of the hard things, right? Because one trade can upset the entire order of of a mock draft. And it really, I've, I've said this before, but it really reminds me of the 2013 NBA draft in part because we just had no idea really what was going to happen. It turned out to be Anthony Bennett at number one, which I think was a huge shock on draft night. I don't think we're going to get an Anthony Bennett type shock at number one this year. I think it's going to be a little more predictable at the top. And by the way, if you're more of a visual person, you can go to my website, mbabigboard.com. Mock Draft 1.0 is up there as well as Big Board 2.0, which will soon be Big, Bo- Big Board 3.0 as well. So you can also go to my website, NBABigBoard.com, and print out or read Mock Draft 1.0. Pinning down what Minnesota is going to do at number one is the start of all of this. Right now, I have them selecting LaMelo Ball, the point guard, 19-year-old. And the Wolves have been shopping this pick heavily, and entrance will likely increase as we get closer to the draft. But assuming for a second that they can't trade the pick on draft night... I still expect them to take the player they think will have the most trade value down the road. So, no, ball doesn't fit next to D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. Forget about offense. It would be a defensive nightmare. But neither does Anthony Edwards. There just aren't enough shots for him. Nor does James Wiseman actually make much of sense to me for Minnesota as well. And so if those are the consensus top three guys, and I think for most teams they are, You take the player with the most trade value, and even if you can't get a trade in the next couple of weeks, you continue to try to find, can I move him or can I move D'Angelo Russell, for example, you buy the player with the most value. And as far as fits go, if Minnesota was really serious about drafting a player that was going to help them now, Iowa State's Tyrese Halliburton and Dayton's Obi Toppin would be much better complements to what the Wolves already have. I'm just not sure GM Gerson Rosas is going to be willing to just suck it up and take the best player for them. Again, the draft tiers are messy here, and I could make an argument for both of those guys at number one, but I just think LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, that too much value, too much upside to pass on to take a player maybe with a lower ceiling but a higher floor and maybe more ready to come in and contribute right away like Halliburton or Obi Toppin. So LaMelo Ball goes number one to the Minnesota Timberwolves. At number two, it's the Golden State Warriors. I have them selecting James Wiseman, a freshman center out of Memphis. And we all know the Warriors are also trying hard to trade this pick. There's been tons of names floated on on who they like. I'm not sure there's really anyone in this draft that could step in and contribute the way the Warriors need the help right now. Though you could start to again make those arguments around someone like Halliburton for example, who could play like a Sean Livingston-esque role for them, or maybe USC's Onyeka Okongwu, who might be more NBA-ready than a player like James Wiseman and have a higher floor and could certainly provide some defensive help for Golden State. But if they can't make the trade, and again, I I think they're going to try hard. They have a two- to three-year window to win a championship, and rookies probably aren't going to be much help. I think they take the long-term play for a player like Wiseman and start rebuilding for the future while still competing for a championship. I'm not sure Wiseman could play a big role for Golden State year 1 and and maybe not even year 2, but he does fit a need. I think he could give them some blocks. I think he could be great on lobs and and he's 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 a really good rebounder. But it's also about thinking about okay, we're competing now, but this is this is our future down the road. That's if they can't trade um, the pick. I, I've been leaning over the last few weeks to wondering whether they could talk themselves into a Kongwu, who I think is more ready to help right now. Certainly provides defensive help because I'm not sure they need the offensive help. And maybe is a little bit less of a risk than Wiseman. So I might actually have a Kongwu here at two B uh, behind Wiseman uh, at two A. For the third pick in the draft, the Charlotte Hornets are on the board. I have them selecting Anthony Edwards out of Georgia, freshman guard. And there's been a lot of buzz, actually, in Charlotte about a Okongwu going here at three. Lots of buzz from both scouts and uh, NBA execs. And he's clearly a fit if you look at their roster and think about who could help them right now. Uh, Kong was a really, really nice fit. And at three, I don't think he's much of a reach. But if Edwards somehow slides to three, it's going to be really hard for Michael Jordan and company to pass on a player with all the physical tools that Anthony Edwards has. He has all of the makeup physically to be a star. And the Hornets have desperately pined for a star for years. And, and while I'm a bit of an Edwards skeptic myself, And I worry a little bit about his lack of feel and whether he's going to play defense at the level that NBA teams are going to need him to. You can't deny that combination of elite athleticism, size, and strength for the position. And I think you can argue that perhaps his lack of feel is due to his age, his late start, focusing totally on basketball. And that at this point at three, The reward outweighs the risk, and and you take Edwards regardless of whether he's the biggest need or not uh, for your team. The fourth pick in the draft goes to the Chicago Bulls. I have them selecting Tyrese Halliburton, a sophomore guard out of Iowa State. There's been significant buzz here about Israel's Denny Avdia landing in Chicago uh, because they have a new President of Basketball Operations, Arturis Carniasovas, and his role in drafting international players in Denver. But others close to Chicago say that's really speculation and that shoring up the culture in Chicago is a bigger concern. The Bulls' backcourt is pretty crowded, but no one on their roster, in my opinion, has the long-term potential of Halliburton. And he may be the best culture player in the entire draft I just think he's a great fit here and you're making a mistake if you're Chicago passing on him because you have a young backcourt already Olms Killian Hayes is also a sleeper here I'm told and that if Arturis is going to take an international player it might not be Avdia it might actually be Killian Hayes and Hayes fits for many of the same reasons that Halliburton does With the fifth pick in the draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers, I have them selecting Denny Avdia, a forward from Israel. And it's really hard. There's a lot of buzz around Avdia right now. And there are people that are just in love with his game and they're willing to overlook the potential shooting issues that are there. And you know, the Cavs are a weird team. They have two key veterans in the front court, two inconsistent young players in the back court. They have a glaring hole at the wing. And so Avdia is, is a really nice fit here. And, but there's a lot of back and forth in Cleveland between Avdia and Auburn's Isaac Okoro here. Avdia is clearly the more talented offensive player. Okoro may be the best wing defender in this draft. I'm not sure which way they'll land. I just had to kind of pick here. But I'd be surprised if it wasn't one of these two players unless somehow Lamelo or Edwards slips to five. I don't, I don't think they will But if both of those guys are off the board, I think it's going to be Avdia or Akuro here. I lean Avdia right now, but it was really hard for me to discern, from what I could understand in Cleveland, which way uh, they would end up going. The Atlanta Hawks pick six. I have them taking Isaac Akuro out of Auburn, a freshman wing. And, you know, when Trey Young is your point guard, you need to try extra hard to provide some defensive support. And Okuro seems like a logical fit for the Hawks given his defensive prowess. Don't count out a trade for Atlanta either. Sources say that they've been super active in trade talks. They want to field a playoff team next year. Also, there's a little bit of buzz around Killian Hayes in Atlanta as well. At seven, the Detroit Pistons. I have them selecting Onyeka Okongwu. The USC big man, also a freshman. And, you know, when you look at the Pistons, they need help everywhere. There's several good potential prospects still left on the board for them here. But at the players left, Okongwu's defensive abilities and potential offensive upsides seem like the cleanest fit. I actually think he's a little bit underrated in this draft. I think he's like a steal at seven if he's still on the board, though it's going to break the Washington Wizards heart who love him at nine. And uh, he's not the only option here, though. They've taken a look at Killian Hayes. Obi Toppin certainly could be uh, the selection here for the Pistons. And Florida State's Patrick Williams uh, has been in the mix here as well for Detroit. At eight, it's the New York Knicks. I have them selecting Obi Toppin. Sophomore-powered forward out of Dayton. He's 22 years old. If he was 20... I think we'd be talking about him potentially as the number one pick uh, in the draft, but at 22, there are concerns. And you know, let's start with what I think we all know, which is the Knicks are one of the teams that wants to move up in the draft. They've coveted Lamelo Ball, and and he covets playing for them. And the question really is whether they have the assets to make a deal happen. I still think that there's a decent chance New York's going to find a way uh, to get up there. It's just, again, about what price they're willing to pay. And also, maybe there's just not going to be a lot of suitors for Minnesota or Golden State. If they can't move up, there's going to be a ton of pressure on them to take Toppin if he's here. He's high profile. He's repped by CAA. And we all know that Leon Rose has taken over the leadership of the Knicks. And it actually feels like really great value here at 8. They do have a plethora of power forwards on the roster and you know the question will be, do they want to add another one? But in, in Toppin's case, the talent may really warrant that. Uh, the other guy that I think that they should seriously consider it is is Killian Hayes. I think he has the best value here. His versatility, ability to defend both backcourt positions, high basketball IQ. I think he's an actually a really nice fit next to R.J. Barrett in the backcourt. Uh, again, after the Frank Telekina experience backfired, I'm not sure exactly what their taste is for another international point guard from France. Also, don't count out Florida State's Devin Vassell here um, as well for the Knicks. At night, it's the Washington Wizards. I have them selecting Killian Hayes, a 18-year-old guard out of France, and. The Wizards are one of those few teams that has been trying to move up in the draft like the Knicks. There's been various names attached to them at times, but the one I hear most consistently is Okongwu. Like I mentioned before, they desperately need a versatile athlete in their front court, and if they can't move up and he doesn't slide, I think things get a little bit tougher. And in fact, I also think there's a possibility that Washington might ultimately move down. But if Hayes is here... I think that this is a really great pick for Washington. No one knows whether John Wall is ever going to be John Wall again. And, and even if he is, adding Hayes and his versatility to the backcourt would be a huge boon, I think, for the Wizards. I just really like that pick there. At 10, it's the Phoenix Suns. I have them selecting Devin Vassell, sophomore wing out of Florida State. And I've told that the Suns are hoping that Hayes falls to them at 10, and and he could. There's scenarios where he could fall that far. I think he would be a great complement in the backcourt to Devin Booker. But if he's off the board, getting a versatile 3 and D wing like Vassell is a really, really strong get for the Suns. I think this is a great fit here. And Vassell is one of those players that has a lot of buzz starting at 6 but doesn't quite have a place to land just yet. I think Phoenix might be a good spot for him. Okay, with that, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll take a look at picks 11. Through 20, you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm a runner. And every day, as I get to about mile eight or nine, my body starts to slow down, my muscles start tightening up. I need to break through a wall. And that's why I'm so excited about Built Bar's new product, Built Go. A solution to breaking through your wall. So what is your wall and what is built go? Built Go is a healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is not fake. It's lasting. It's natural. It's easy to take in 1.5-ounce packages. You put it in your briefcase or your golf bag or your pocket to get throughout the day. It's the best workout gel on the market. And here's the thing. It is delicious. Much like the Built Bar, it tastes great. It has three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, chocolate milk. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine, better results. It's filled with protein. It's amazing stuff. So why don't you try it out? Visit builtgo.com and use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at builtgo.com. Let's go. And we are back, talking about the 2020 NBA Draft, Mock Draft 1.0. I'm going through all 30 teams, talking about what I'm hearing around the league from NBA scouts, execs, NBA agents, about what teams might do on draft night. This is my first mock draft, full mock draft of the year. We did something with the lottery a little bit earlier before the lottery had actually been decided. So I'm excited to dig into this a little bit. I am I, I think there'll be a couple more mock drafts coming. And by the way, you can follow along on these mock drafts at www.nbabigboard.com. I have my big board up right now. I, I, I've got 50 players on it. I also have uh, this mock draft 1.0 on the website. You can print it off, read it, share it with your friends, whatever it is that you want to do. That's at nbabigboard.com. At, .com. at 11, I have the San Antonio Spurs. Have them selecting Patrick Williams, freshman forward out of Florida State. Williams has a lot of buzz, but whoever drafts him will have to be patient. He's got raw tools and a lot of them, but a lot of them also need polishing. And no one has proven better at doing that job than the Spurs. And I, I think landing Williams at 11 would be a major win for both the franchise and for Williams because of the Spurs track record in developing players. Williams could go a spot of two higher. There's, there's some buzz with him all the way as high as Detroit at seven. I just think this is a natural landing spot for him and for the team. And sometimes you, you've you got to not be obsessed as a player about how high you go in the draft. It's about the right fit. That's going to lead you to your second contract and that's what really matters. At 12, the Sacramento Kings have them selecting R.J. Hampton, who played for the New Zealand Breakers last year. He's a guard. And there aren't a lot of swing for the fences prospects left on the board, but Hampton, to me, is one of them because his elite athletic ability is just such a huge draw. If he can prove that he can shoot, I think he's a steal at 12. And given what else is available for Sacramento and where they are in their development cycle right now, I think that he's worth taking a risk here. Obviously, Sacramento's pushing really hard to be a playoff team next year. I'm not sure how much a rookie, especially in a rookie like R.J. Hampton, is going to get. But I'm not sure what any rookie is really going to get time for the Kings next year. And so, putting him uh, in a development program in the D-League for a year uh, might make a lot of sense down the road uh, for Sacramento because certainly the athletic talent is there for Hampton uh, to to be a star if that jump shot ever comes around. At 13, the New Orleans Hornets are building around Zion Williamson. Brandon Ingram had a huge, huge year for them. Lonzo Ball at the point guard position. This is where I'm going to make just a slight reach here. I have them taking Jalen Smith, the sophomore big man from Maryland, maybe a little bit higher than he's ranked, though he's been moving up the board pretty consistently uh, for a while. I just think that when you find a big guy like this that can stretch the floor, has his size, can rebound, can block shots, and pair him next to the hyper-athletic Zion Williamson, because I think one of the questions about Jalen Smith a little bit is around lateral quickness, just how much pop is there for him. It just feels like these two players are really nice fit together. Uh, in New Orleans, and, and I, th- I think that he's one of these players that actually could come in and and make a dent on a team uh, like New Orleans who have so much up young and up-and-coming talent. At 14, the Boston Celtics have this pick. Uh, they get it via the Memphis Grizzlies. I have them selecting Kira Lewis Jr., an Alabama sophomore point guard, and we know they already have one little point guard in Kemba Walker, But I don't think that's going to deter them from taking Lewis, who may be the fastest player end-to-end in this draft. He's a young sophomore, by the way. He's only 19 years old, shot the ball well at Alabama, and has a lot of the analytics pointing in his favor. And I think this might just be like a small steal for the Celtics if he's still on the board. This player, I think teams have been just a little bit unsure about where to slot him, I think that at 14, that's really appropriate. In fact, I think he could go a few spots higher. I think for Boston, this is a great sort of long-term developmental backup for Kemba Walker at the point. At 15, the Orlando Magic are on the board. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swing a little bit here and have them selecting Jaden McDaniels out of Washington, freshman forward, and, and look on talent. If you're just thinking about raw talent, McDaniels is a top five pick in this draft but his freshman season at Washington raised a lot of issues about whether he's ever going to be able to play into his talent that whether his talent will translate into five-on five basketball and so this is a reach by the magic but if you know anything about John Hammond their general manager this is a guy who isn't afraid to to reach for players that he thinks are prospects that have huge ceilings. He's done it time and time again in his stints in Detroit, in his stint in Milwaukee, now with Orlando. And I think again, after Ball, Edwards, Wiseman, and and you know maybe Hampton are off the board. I'm not sure there's a player with a higher upside um, than McDaniel's. Obviously, there's major concerns, uh, and he could end up being a bust. But in a draft week on potential star power, I could just see Orlando making the grab here and and hoping to strike gold. At 16, the Portland Trailblazers are on the board. I have them selecting Sidike Bay, sophomore wing out of Villanova. I I put out my big board 2.0 a couple of weeks ago. and, And the single most consistent feedback I heard from teams is that I just had Bay too low, like significantly too low and you consider this mock a start in the correction process for him. I'll have another big board 3.0 out shortly. I think that he's higher than what I had him uh on on the board. I think I had him at 23 And I'm not sure that he's not done rising. Here he goes 16 to the Trailblazers, and there's teams even in the late lottery that are considering him as well. When you find Wings with his size, shooting ability, defensive versatility, that's a priority for teams right now. That is a coveted position to play in the NBA right now. And again, I've also heard some teams in the 20s that are trying to move up to get him. And so he seems like he's a really hot name right now. We've moved him up to 16 on our mock draft. I'm not sure that he won't be two or three spots higher as we get into that final mock. And he's certainly going to be much higher than Big Board 3.0. At 17, the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are getting this pick via the Brooklyn Nets. Aaron Niesmith, sophomore wing out of Vanderbilt. And the question around him is, is he the best shooter in the draft? Uh, That's what teams are trying to figure out right now. Was his 52% shooting from three as a sophomore, the real deal. If the answer is yes, he probably can go five spots higher on the board because shooting matters in the NBA. And he really looks like he's going to be a terrific shooter in the NBA. And the question is again, was, was a sophomore season just a little bit of a mirage? Uh, Maybe what, he did there isn't indicative of what he's going to do in the nba but i doubt he slips past here shooting's too much of a premium in the nba i think this is probably closer to nismith's floor um, than his ceiling at 18 dallas mavericks are on the board i have them selecting leandro bolomaro the argentinian guard 20 year old slightly polarizing prospect here he's got kind of a unique approach to the game turns some teams off other teams have been pegging him as the next Manu ginobili uh, things are complicated for Bolamaro. he's got a contract situation with barcelona which means that he's likely to spend a year maybe two in europe before coming to the nba but this is what i know about the Mavs front office they have an incredible international scouting outfit They know what they're doing with international players. They like him. And don't be shocked if they nab him. Let him develop for a year or two overseas and then plug him into the starting lineup down the road. He's really, really grown on me since my first big board. Another guy that I think you're going to see significantly higher in big board 3.0 than in big board uh, 2.0. At 19, the Brooklyn Nets are on the board. They get this pick via the Philadelphia 76ers. Precious Achua. The Memphis forward freshman, one of the most versatile defenders in the draft, can guard four, maybe five spots on the floor. And if his offense was anywhere close to his defense, he'd also be 10 spots higher on our draft board. With Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving providing all the offensive firepower for the Nets, Ochoa's defensive versatility could help anchor a defense while Durant and Irving cover for his offensive deficiencies. And at 20, it's the Miami Heat. I have them selecting Tyrese Maxey, a freshman guard out of Kentucky. I know what you're thinking. Yet another Kentucky player in Miami. Tyler Hero's there. Bam Adebayo's there. It may feel like a bit trite, but Maxey has many of the intangibles Pat Riley looks for in a guard. And if he can play on the ball at the point, as some scouts project and Frankly, something I think he actually struggled with a bit in Kentucky. He could be a real still late in this draft, and he's been a bit of a polarizing prospect because some scouts say, "Look, he's basking in the afterglow of the Tyler Hero or uh, the Bam Adebayo who slipped too far in the draft, and now people are feeling like Kentucky players are just systemically underrated." And other people that say, "You know, look, you know, if you watch the game film." The things that people are projecting that Maxie will be able to do when he gets out of the confines of Kentucky, he wasn't actually able to do at Kentucky. Really interesting. I'm on the fence about Maxie myself, uh, personally. Not exactly sure where I sit with him, but I think 20, somewhere in the late teens, somewhere in the teens to 20s is is where he's going to land. We are going to take another break. We're going to listen to our sponsors, and we'll come back and we'll finish round one Picks 21 through 30. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we're back talking mock draft 1.0. Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. And by the way, you can follow along on this Big Board on the internet at www.nbabigboard.com. That's my website. I'll have my latest Big Board there, have the mock draft there. You can also listen to the podcast there as well Uh, with breakdowns for every pick. NBABigboard.com at pick21. The Philadelphia 76ers who get this pick via the Oklahoma City Thunder. Tyrell Terry, freshman point guard out of Stanford, might rival Smith for best shooter in this draft. A lot of questions about his slight frame, his lack of elite size or athleticism, and how much that should affect him in this draft. I think there are some teams that have him in the second round because they're just not sure how ready he's going to be for the NBA. But I've seen him rising on draft boards lately, and given his shooting ability, the fact that he's been working out and apparently getting stronger, I actually think he may be one of the more underrated players in the draft. And for a team like Philly that will likely be prioritizing shooting more than ever, now that Daryl Morey is the captain of the ship, this is just a great place to land. At 22, it's the Denver Nuggets selecting via pick from the Houston Rockets. Alexei Pokashevsky, Serbian big man, 18 years old, maybe the youngest player in this draft. One of the more challenging prospects in this draft to project because he's got this incredible combination of talent and size. It's off the charts. But he is rail thin skinny. Like He makes Brandon Ingram look buff compared to Pokashevsky. And... That's going to mean that he's going to be a major work in progress. Just that lack of strength in the NBA is going to be a problem. The Nuggets have never really been shy about drafting for potential and taking the time to wait. I think he's on their radar screen at 22. He's another guy that could end up going a few spots higher. Uh, Dallas, for example, uh, at 18 is another potential landing spot for him. I like him here at 22 to the Denver Nuggets. At number 23, the Utah Jazz. I have them selecting Desmond Bain, senior guard at a TCU. And the Jazz are in win-now mode, and they've been looking for a player that can give them something now, both defensively and offensively. And Bain already plays like a veteran. He's been a knockdown shooter this year for TCU. He is a tough defender, just a gritty, gritty overall player, culture guy all the way. I think he's a perfect role player fit in Utah. That's where I have Desmond Bain. At 24, it's the Milwaukee Bucks taking a pick from the Indiana Pacers. Have them selecting Cole Anthony, freshman point guard out of North Carolina, a guy who was projected as a lottery pick, but after a pretty rocky freshman season at North Carolina, have a lot of scouts questioning whether he's now peaked in college. And at this point in the draft, I think at 24, the reward to me outweighs the risk here. There's clearly some talent there. Eric Bledsoe doesn't appear to be the long-term solution in Milwaukee. I know they're looking at a number of things here. I'm not suggesting in any way that Cole Anthony could be that solution, but you always want depth there um, at the position. And, And I do think that Anthony can play a role in the NBA, even if it's not the star that he was projected to be in high school. At 25, it's the Oklahoma City Thunder selecting this pick via the Denver Nuggets. I have them selecting Josh Green. Freshman wing out of Arizona, originally from Australia and a Thunder player all the way. Tough, high IQ, excellent facilitator, three and D type wing that just doesn't really do one thing great enough. to get him much higher on the board, but one of these glue type of players that we've seen excel for the Thunder in the past. I think he'd be a great fit in Oklahoma city at 25 at 26, the Boston Celtics have another pick and I don't think there's any way that the Celtics are going to keep all of their first-round picks. They already have a roster crunch. So at least one of these picks you can pretty much bet is going to be one of an international player. I have them selecting Theo Maladon, uh, the point guard out of France. I'm here. And there's talent there for sure. He's got size. Uh, he's got some offensive pop. He started playing better towards the end of the season. But he can be a draft and stash option. I think right now Boston's going to be looking for at least one of those draft and stash options going forward. At 27, the New York Knicks are back on the board. This pick they get via the Clippers. Malachi Flynn, the junior point guard out of San Diego State. If the Knicks pass on a point guard with the first pick, I don't think they should with the 27th pick. I actually think there's several decent options for them here. And I really love Flynn. He can just flat out play. He pops whenever you watch him on film. And I think he may already be better than all of the more hyped point guard prospects the Knicks have tried to develop over the last few years. If you haven't seen Malachi Flynn tape yet, you should definitely check it out. I think he's such an interesting prospect. I think he'd be a really fun fit for New York at 27. At 28, Los Angeles Lakers, Devon Dotson, the sophomore guard out of Kansas. Yes, finally a Kansas player in our mock draft first round. Great speed, incredible score, lacks great size for his position, and I think there's questions about whether he can be a point guard, whether he possesses enough floor vision skills. Uh, to play some point in the league. But I think that he could fill a Lou Williams-type role coming off the bench. Uh, Dotson is a blur. Um, he's a really fun player to watch if you've watched him at Kansas. His his analytics are good. I'm not quite sure why teams are down on him as they are, but I think that he's getting some looks there in the late first round. I think the Lakers are one of the teams that could make a lot of, lot of sense for him at 28. At 29th, the Toronto Raptors. I have them selecting Paul Reed, sophomore forward out of DePaul, John Hollinger's guy. And by the way, I think John is more right than a lot of NBA teams are right now. Reed's defensive versatility, his ability to guard four, maybe five positions on the floor, have won him a lot of fans from NBA teams. I'm not exactly sure where he's going to go, but I think it's going to be somewhere in the second half of the first round. This is kind of on the low end, I think, actually, for Reed, though I know some teams do have him in the second round. And I think the Raptors, this is a Masai Ujiri pick all the way. He fits the type of of player that Ujiri likes. I think he could be a help right away for Toronto. One of the more underrated prospects in the draft, in my opinion. And at 30, Boston Celtics back on the board. Their third first-round pick. They get this one via the Bucs. I had them selecting Isaiah Stewart. Freshman center out of Washington. Again, I doubtful that the Celtics keep this pick, but if they do, I think Stewart's upside may just prove to be too much to pass on. Ten years ago, you know, you say he's a lottery pick. I think the game's changed, but I I do think there's still room for big men like Stewart. I think the Celtics do have a need here. Again, I don't see them keeping all three picks. I won't be surprised if they don't have any of them, frankly, uh, on draft night, but if he's there, I think Stewart is a really nice get here at 30 for the Boston Celtics. So that's my mock draft 1.0. Next Friday, a week from today, I'll release another updated mock uh, based off of intel and what I'm hearing uh, around the league as well. When we come back with our pod on Monday, John Hollinger and I are going to break down some trade scenarios and think about maybe what would be some good ideas for teams that are trying to trade up in the draft, down in the draft, out of the draft. We'll also, later in the week, do our last redraft of the 2019 NBA draft. We save this to close to draft time because I think there's something that we can learn from what happened in the last draft toward this one. And so Hollinger's going to join me uh, for that as well. In the meantime, as you're done listening to this podcast, go over to nbabigboard.com. Check out our full mock draft 1.0. Check out our Big Board 2.0. Big Board 3.0 will be out shortly uh, as well. And get everything that you want out of the NBA draft. We're going to be going hard and strong over the next couple of weeks uh, preparing for the draft. You're going to see an increase in the number of uh, pods that we're going to do. We're going to do some really fun things, including live on draft night with David Locke. David Locke and I are going to be breaking down the NBA draft live on draft night. We'll give you more details on that um, when it comes. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha.